What's going on? Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. A time of recording at 7.54 p.m. on Monday, October 29th, 2018. And sitting next to me in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, is someone who came on the pod to talk about the AFC and NFC Championship games earlier in 2018. Previous way, way, way back. Fame. Uh, Alex Chimino, Chimmy say hi to the people. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, we have a lot to talk about today and we're going to cover a lot of things, but first and foremost, how was your day? My day was pretty good. Um, I had a great meeting this morning at work. My job, <laughs> we're turning on a ton of new business right now and we sell a cold product in the winter, Commonwealth Coffee. What's up? That's who I work for. Uh, I used to work for Fresh Truck, but no longer. Anyway, we're turning on a ton of business for the winter. It's really exciting. I'm going to be able to make rent all winter. That's a big Yay. deal. And... And the fucking Red and Sox the Red won the Sox. World Series. And the fucking Red Sox won, the, won World Series. the World Series. Won the World Series by striking out Manny Machado. It was, uh, I, it was. That, that really was very cathartic for not only Red Sox fans, but just people who think and know that Manny Machado's kind of just a scumbag as far as baseball players go. Not, um, and a bad him, boy. A bad, yeah. bad boy. Doesn't seem like a, a very considerate dude when he this is the second dirty thing that he's done in these playoffs in between uh, between judge between alex bregman between manny machado he was just the next in line of a long line of shit talkers hey, that all got I, throttled i like judge and i like too. bregman i don't like <laughs> manny machado yeah. i don't want to lump I, honestly, judge and bregman you know in with machado anyway for uh, for all the shit talking that went on, my favorite moment of the World Series was actually, and I would not speak of it so <laughs> happily if we hadn't won the World Series right now. But I loved when Yasiel Puig is the biggest dick when he hits home <laughs> runs. He practically takes his bat and throws it into the seats when he hit home runs. And Eduardo Rodriguez just, turned around and, and just slammed his, his glove. glove on the ground, and he was. It so was an angry. incredible half second because it was a it was bat just, flip, yeah. glove throw. In like a half second span, it was truly, it was really nice. It was truly great. The Red Sox beat the Yankees three to one. They beat the Astros four to one, and then they beat the Dodgers four to one. Um, any championship run in any sport is great, but baseball has this kind of incredible magic where you you know that some role players going to have to come up. You just never know who it is. I never would have guessed that Steve, that Jackie Bradley Jr. was going to hit back to back to back uh, home runs. Or no, no, it wasn't home runs. It was just like nine. Two out RBIs in those games against the Dodgers and win LCS MVP. And then Steve Pierce was going to uh, invoke Paul Pierce a decade later uh, and win MVP of the finals. Uh, yeah. Win MVP and of the World would, Series. You wouldn't imagine, you also would not imagine that the top of the Red Sox lineup, one through four, would go like 0 for 42 or whatever it was in for game the three. first. Yeah. In, oh, in L.A., in L.A. For in two LA, games yeah, they, in a they, row. They, and obviously, they were very cold. Game three and game four were basically three baseball games in two. But <laughs> yeah. um, the... Uh, Shout out to Nathan Avaldi too. What oh my a, what god, a man! Holy cow! What a hero! His guy, agent must like... be so mad at him and so mad at Alex Cora <laughs> for throwing him out there for six innings of relief, just <laughs> gunning it at 101 at two in the, two <laughs> two a.m. East Coast time. I'm out at the bar. There are all these people in their costumes, just transfixed by him, just bringing the cheese. A hundred pitches. In he relief. was he was laying the ricotta in relief. <laughs> Unbelievable! And the next day, literally the next day, he, he was goes, like. He goes into the. He walks with everybody else out to the bullpen just so he can make himself available. Yes. Like, hey, look, if you need me to pitch, I'm out here too. I didn't pitch till three o'clock. In the it morning was great. Last night I found myself just trying to 
take it in uh, uh, as calmly as possible. I was at Greatest Bar after getting out of work at City Winery, and uh, people were going nuts. And it was nice to see that people still go apeshit for the 11th ring of the Titletown era it's true. in Boston. And people when still on, care this much. Yeah, and when someone on Twitter posted all the years that a Boston sports team has won a championship, I yeah. realized for the past 20 years, the city averages a championship every other year, which yes. is completely insane. That's yeah, then someone, someone tweeted, the, the, the endless 20-month Boston sports title drought is over. It's yeah. been 20 months. <laughs> and I still maintain that I won't go off into a side diatribe about how I hate Gillette Stadium and I hate the atmosphere there and I get really, really pissed off at Patriots fans. But I do maintain that regardless of baseball's decline in popularity, that the Red Sox are and always will be the number one sports team in Boston. They will be. If you look at true guys like Lenny, Bill Simmons, Dennis Leary, and... Those are just celebrities, but even if you look at Maki Mock, the hardos that go way back 20, 30, 40 years in Boston, it's always been baseball. The pain of the Red Sox never winning the World Series was always the biggest sports issue in Boston. And go to Fenway in November, and there's it still it still takes a cake. It still gets more it's great. Raw, raucous there in Fenway than anywhere else in Boston, surely. Um, so I am glad to see that people aren't jaded. I'm certainly not jaded. I feel like I'm not jaded. Um, I probably am, but I also... We are. That's the thing. We, we are. We are. We are. We do take it for granted for a little bit. I just hope... And I was saying on Twitter last night that I hope every sports fan gets at least one championship run because it's, it's, it's magic. Um, it's particularly magic in non-football sports because football is one game each time. And to win several series in a row as an emotional just ride... In well, hockey, basketball, or baseball, baseball, is baseball really in particular, special. baseball in particular is really difficult. There's a lot of very specific pieces that people generally claim you need to have a winning run at a title. One being pitching. If pitching's not there, the likelihood of you going deep into the playoffs is pretty much nil. But it's it, it's good to see the Red Sox win. Baseball is really challenging. I also appreciate the fact how much shorter baseball playoffs are than the NBA, for example. It's like two just, it, it's like two seasons. It's it really what, is. the NBA playoffs? Oh there's the regular God, yeah. season and there's just the yeah. two and a half months it's, of uh, the, the playoffs. It's excessive. And I'm I, frankly I mean, I I'm uh, I am ready to go back to bed at normal times now. I yes. feel like I've just had a baseball I watched every single inning of the playoffs for the Sox <laughs> and I wake Did, up late. I don't get into work till eight thirty. And then for that reason I end up staying Till eight thirty at night at work, and then I get home in time for the first inning of the Red Sox game, and then, and then this cycle, cycle just basically repeats. Did over you have and a favorite moment of the run? Of the run of this playoff run, favorite moment. That's oh, that's while a tough you call. while you sit there and think about it. Oh, my God. distinct favorite moment was the last inning of I think it was Game Four against the Astros, where Reddick makes the diving catch in the top of the ninth to prevent the Red Sox from getting some insurance runs. And then Ben Benintendi oh, yeah. has the diving series-saving catch. That was a pretty awesome I, catch. I, I just, uh, the Astros were so, it's the second ALCS the Red Sox have won in a row. Uh, when it's the, It was the same thing when they beat the Tigers in 2013, where I still don't think that they were better. Yeah. I know they won, they, they beat the Tigers and that they beat sure. the Astros, but I just, I can't believe that they won that series. It's got to be two, two of them were 
So Jackie Bradley Jr. came up to bat against um, James, and at the three or four prior at bats to that, it was which game against the Astros is this? Devers. It was the one where Jackie Bradley hit the grand slam. Yeah, but they had shown such bad plate discipline, and James was getting to had gotten through two or three innings already with so few pitches. I think he had back to back. 10 pitch innings or something like that. And I was getting really frustrated at, at all the Sox hitters who frankly were showing very little play discipline at the time. And so he steps up to bat and I'm, I'm like, dude, don't swing at the first pitch. Don't swing at the first pitch. Swings at the first pitch and jacks a grand slam <laughs> into the seats and we all just start screaming. And it just felt at that point like... But they had fairy dust on them. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it felt really going the Astros way at that point. And so that was a major, major turning point in being able to get through the Astros. The other being is that my roommate was sitting next to me on the couch when Eduardo, not Eduardo, um, Eduardo Nunez hit the home run. In game one. And before he had even come up to bat to pinch hit, he was in in the dugout. And my roommate goes, Eduardo Nunez, don't even get near any of those (laughs) other players. Don't talk to them. Don't act like you're on the team. You're not part of the team. Well, Eduardo Nunez gets him. up to bat. Gets up. He's like, Eduardo Nunez might be the worst player in baseball. He's just berating this man on camera. And as he's doing it, throws that pitch and just jacks it into the seats. And all of us were laughing our asses off. It's great, man. It was probably the two of those were definitely definitely momentum pushers. But it felt like the Red Sox just did something ridiculous every single game. They were losing. They're down by four runs. You so, need a home run. You get a home run. It was. It was. Frankly, it was really silly. It was a combination, sure, of the players and how good the Red Sox are. But they were so, you know, better be lucky than good. They were both. Yeah, and it's rare. They did the rare thing of being the best team in baseball in the regular season and then winning the World Series. Doesn't happen that much. Oh, the expectations were yeah. not there. Like, um, oh, we're gonna lose. Do you, Do you baseball. think that uh, there's I don't know if there's any level to get to, um, and, and I'm probably wrong about this. I don't think there's any level to get to with Boston sports fans where they could become more obnoxious or more spoiled or more <laughs> insufferable uh, than they, when I say they, I mean we, I am among them, yeah. than we already are. Uh, do you think that this latest Boston title pushes them over that precipice? And do you think that uh, it, do, do, do you think it'll keep going? Like, how much longer can this possibly go? Well, we're we're already far over the precipice. We're gigantic assholes. We're the biggest assholes in all of sports. It's like, look at the Patriots. I, <laughs> I will maintain that Philly fans got remarkably close to Boston fans through one title. One title, and you got, like, 92% of, as obnoxious as Boston <laughs> fans. Burning cars in Philadelphia, yeah. Um, Great run, though. Yeah. It'll, I, I, it, it'll continue. I mean, the 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 ownership structures of all the teams are pretty much there. And basically the the culture of the way they demand excellence throughout every single team until you see the and ownership structures and the coaching structures of the team that are there right now, I don't think you can expect it to. It's a – I think one thing that can separate – like do you think that – so James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, is the, the worst, worst owner, owner in, sports, in sports, right? There's would would Boston sports fans have allowed? I I don't know how to even phrase this. This is going to come across so condescending. Um, like, do you think Boston sports fans would have put up with Dolan for the number the the amount of time that? Because I know that fans can't oust an owner really, but do you think that if some some owner as 
awful as James Dolan was the owner of one of the four major Boston sports teams that he would be able to have an extended tenure? Um, I'm really not sure. I think the media market in Boston is so <laughs> intense and aggressive and omnipresent all the time. I'm actually a pretty good person to ask this question because as it does not relate in any way to Boston sports, but since I've uh, been a small child, I've been a huge Arsenal fan, and that's exactly the situation that Arsenal is in right now. They're basically, for the past 10 years, the entire club is being held hostage by Stan Kroenke, who owns the Rams. Um, that's right, Stan Kroenke, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, that's exactly. right, that's right. So, so the thing is, is that all of these Arsenal fans are going crazy because they can't get rid of the owner. And the wild thing that just happened is that... Stan Kroenke owned 60% in change of the team, and um, a Russian billionaire named Alisher Uzmanov owned about another 30%, and then there were bits and pieces, and the Arsenal Supporters Trust, the people who run that organization, their members, they own a ton of shares. What happened is the Kroenke finally got Usmanov to sell him all those shares, and how English law actually works is that as soon as you own more than 90% of the shares of a company, you're automatically by law required to purchase all the remaining shares with all the other shareholders so you own precisely 100% of the club. So these longtime Arsenal stockholders who have been fans of the club for 100 years and basically see themselves as stewards of the club were basically forced to shit sell their ownership shares to Stan Kroenke, who basically is just a, a blood-sucking businessman who they, who they despise. So now they're still going through this thing where the results are a little bit better right now, but they have absolutely no ability to affect change whatsoever. And there's really nothing that they can do about it. But again, it's a little apples to oranges because you know the Premier League has kind of a shitty ownership and <laughs> in, in finance structure in general. Rest but in peace it, to... Oh man! Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty heavy. And I'm, to the owner of Leicester City, who died in a helicopter yeah. bus, died in a helicopter crash. Helicopter he, crash. Um, I didn't manage I to get all I, the information because right. it hasn't come out yet. But that's all I know, and I can't even pronounce dude's name. Apparently, the story that's coming out is that he they knew the helicopter was going to crash, and apparently he made some miracle maneuver that allowed the helicopter to not actually careen into the stadium and wow essentially this pilot and the owner in the back who i don't know how much information i had at the time but apparently they were in a situation where he almost surely knew he was going to die and managed to basically crash the helicopter and into an empty car park and so five people died in this helicopter crash and as as opposed to a lot more and well there were the five people on board and that was it it was it was basically Mm -hmm. an empty empty car park but again you know he is universally beloved uh lesser city is without a doubt the most improbable title run in the history of sports it's i think that is true it's that is not even close it's like it's it's like the it's like the jp english high school (laughs) football team winning the super bowl it's not like like that it is it's it's that uh it's i I, I agree with you. There were bookies could, at the beginning of the season who were taking bets on uh, Leicester to win the Premier League at 12,000. 12,000? Not 5,000? 12,000? There was 12,000 to one. But anyway, I just I don't think that type of culture can exist in Boston. I think that between Fenway Sports Groups, between Danny Ainge, between... Um, Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft. There's 
such a sustained culture of excellence. And I don't see even moving forward to a time where these aren't the people who are managing these organizations anymore. I don't think that they were they will ever be handed off to someone who doesn't maintain that same type of culture and excellence and winning record. And that theory of mine is going to be tested because Jonathan Kraft will probably be the owner of Patriots. <laughs> <one day. laughs> that guy is a uh, schlub. Um, I, I appreciate that thorough answer to the question. Um, the long story short, the Red Sox won the World Series. Boston fans will continue to be obnoxious, if not more obnoxious. Uh, I was just glad the that Sox David are the Price, best team in the world. I was just glad that David Price didn't win the M- MVP because that guy just would have been an insufferable asshole for the rest. And he kind of <laughs> deserved to be because he got he got dragged through the mud for a year and a half. He he got dragged the way that he should have been dragged based on his performances, and I think that he's being lauded in the way that he should be All right. right now okay. for his performances. Okay. I mean that's that's I'll, the world, I'll buy that. That's the world of sports. And granted. Considering, and I want to give an extra shout out to David Price because yes. giving up a home run on literally the first pitch of the game and then resetting your brain and yourself and mentally, playing everything, shut and out ball for seven innings from shut, there. shutting it down after that is absolutely incredible. I'm the the mental the mental awareness and I don't, I don't know what you want to call it just the mental capacity that's required to be a starting pitcher is is insane. Um, so kudos to David Price. He, you, he really did it. You <laughs> I went, thought he should have been World Series MVP, but regardless, he's going to be remembered. And he, he, has, up, he went up against the best guys. Kershaw, Verlander, who am I missing? There was one other it's, one. It's those he, two dudes. He, he's the only uh, guy to to close series out against uh, two Cy Young winners in one postseason. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So one thing before, because I know we were going to switch. So we've done a lot of sport ball so far. We're going to transition out of sport ball. We're not going to talk about any other sport. We're not going to talk about the NBA. We're not going to talk about uh, you want. You might have wanted to talk about LeBron and the shop a little bit, but I. I, I think we're we going to have to pass on LeBron. We're going to have to wait for that. LeBron um, and the shop, but uh, for another all time. I have to say to LeBron is, dude, give, give Deladonna some fucking airtime, man. Like, Elena Deladon. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. I love Elena Deladon, dude. She came on the shop and literally talked for like all of thirty seconds, think, and her job was. I, I don't think we, there, uh, so. you know, to to borrow to metaphorically say, I don't think we play for the same team, but I've always had kind of a crush. Uh, Anyway, the thing that we wanted to do before we revisit a topic from last uh, the last episode of Fighting Fire with Fire is give out our so hot right now recommendations. You can always get in touch with the show and give out your so hot right now recommendation on Twitter at the tweet at us at the AJ Row Show. Use the hashtag so hot right now. Um, Instagram us. Use your post tag it with hashtag so hot right now. Tag at the AJ Row Show or me at a Jeremy Rose on Instagram. Email the show, AJ, uh, AJ Rose at Gmail, AJ Rose Show at Gmail.com, uh, Facebook.com slash Fighting Fire with Fire. It's Facebook.com slash The AJ Rose Show. If you want to comment, you're so hot right now. It can be anything you want to be. And so hot right now. Uh, I can't believe you remember this entire spiel without like looking at a piece of paper. Always. <laughs> always, man. Guess that's, that's how we do. Jimmy, what is your so hot right now recommendation? Oh, the hottest thing on the market right now is season two of Big Mouth. Which, I love which, how much you love this which show. Which has returned. Um, <laughs> and I, I, don't know, I don't know if we, I talked about it on a couple of the previous episodes of the pod. I think I did. Uh, but I have not watched season two. I've just watched season one. I don't know if I, the funny thing is, I wish you could get the funniest person that you could bring on this podcast to talk about Big Mouth is Josh Troutwine because he loves that TV show more than anybody in the entire world. And he'll we have to get we have to and he would complete the yeah. 
I mean, we have to. I suppose we would have to have Bailey on to complete the nine hub uh, <laughs> yeah. quartet. But we've had you on. We've had Duran on. I would love to get Josh on here to talk about <laughs> Big Mouth and Aaron Baines and whatever else he he feels passionately about. But Big Mouth, the show on Netflix, uh, co-created by Nick Kroll and what's his name, the Andrew writer Goldberg. Andrew Goldberg, Andrew Goldberg, John Mulaney. Um Underrated hero, Maya Rudolph. She's the MVP of the show, right? I think she's yeah, the MVP yeah. of the show. I, she, every time she says anything on that show, I'm laughing. It just, it is, it's such an incredibly childish and crude show, and it's truly disgusting, but it. Yes. There's no better representation of what it was like like when you were 12 years old. Because when. Certainly as a guy. When I, you're a 12 year old male, you are just a, you really are. You are a crude, filthy, disgusting monster <laughs> just filled with too many hormones that you're really. Yeah. Not able to handle so both Nick Kroll both Nick Kroll and Maya Rudolph do an unbelievable job playing their respective hormone monsters and shout out to Jordan Peele as the ghost of Duke Ellington uh, who's turned <laughs> up to like 12 out of 10 yeah. the entire time <laughs> he's like all that and they also sing a song in episode 3 uh, with the ghost of Freddie Mercury about being gay yeah. and I love that they got a guy who sounds exactly like Freddie Mercury um, so watch Big Mouth my so hot right now recommendation <laughs> Is Spotify Premium. Oh, I finally God. bought Spotify Premium after after being a plebe for oh, for God. so 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 long. I finally treated myself. And I got actually Spotify forgot. Premium. I forgot in the past fifteen minutes that this was <laughs> so hot right now, and I'm, I've almost become even more excited to talk about it. I, that, is, you, that is shocking behavior. That is, <laughs> that I just, absolutely as someone who loves behavior. music as much as I do, let alone anybody. What do you What do your friends do? Like when you show up to parties and you're the guy who like, I'm. What do you mean? Commercial. I had, no. I asked them if I can use their their phone uh, if they have premium I don't use mine God. I also don't use my didn't use mine on my phone I used a uh, good friend of the pod TN trans phone I used no not his phone I used his Spotify account on my phone <laughs> so I get a premium now I don't have to shout out to TN yeah, uh, the, uh, the the value proposition for for the iTunes store and whatever it's just not there no not at all 10 bucks a month I can listen to a thousand albums a month like, what, 10 bucks yeah. buy me one al- one album normally yeah you gotta no way can't gotta do get it on the Spotify hopefully one day they stop hemorrhaging billions of dollars per quarter <laughs> it's it's pretty unlikely as long as human beings continue to listen to Drake at the absolutely prolific hey, level hey, of that. Hey, I will yeah. not have you besmirch the good name of Champagne Poppy on this podcast, oh, I okay? <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I, I listened to the pod of the two of you guys after you went to the Drake Was it funny? Drake concert. We gave him the proper amount of shit. Um, is, is zero dance moves. Yeah, <laughs> and we uh, uh, gave him a bunch of negative uh, marks as we should for texting Millie Bobby Brown on a regular basis. Who's fourteen? That's <laughs> not cool at all. That is called grooming. That is not cool. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, yeah. You, the face you're making <laughs> I, is is very even, is very fitting right now. I, I didn't even know about that. Drake should whatever, not be doing that. Whatever it is doesn't sound good. That's no. That's a no go. Go, go back the other way to J Lo. Go yeah. Go absolutely 40, go back 40, the other 45, way. Forty five, not fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I don't feel good about you telling me that. This I don't know. Is like I, this is like on the air too. I don't. I don't know, I know what to say. This is what this is. This is. This is. So you know, funny. our idols are all kind of flawed human I beings. Know. Kanye, man, I had to have a a, a, a coming. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have a moment where I realized that you know 
it's the, the cons have outweighed the pros for the last couple of years with Kanye, and that yeah, I'm no longer going to go see him in concert re- when it comes the only to Boston. Reason I feel bad for you is that you didn't realize that that moment was in like 2009. It was not. Ah, <laughs> you, you, you can't just throw out a year uh, out there. You can't oh, just sure, throw out the year sure 2009. Anyway, sure I can. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, and this is uh, shout out to friend of the pod who listens, uh, Bridget Bunda, who had like a gathering yesterday that I wasn't able to go to because a I slept in and b was. Uh, you know, had a headache when I woke up that I was going to go to a sort of breakfast brunch thing where they were, they were going to, she and her friends and my friends were going to talk about uh, various political issues uh, heading into the, heading into the midterms. Uh, And it was like a brunch potluck, which sounded wonderful. I'm sure it was wonderful. I wish I could have gone, but right now we're going to talk about something that Corey Asman and I talked about last time, which is question one, which as we said on the pod is the, most, I think the 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 only question that actually has two uh, legitimate sides to it, and I'm gonna give you, the, I'm gonna clear out and give you the floor, yeah, Alex, because yeah, yeah. I want you to talk. I want you to talk about this, um, not necessarily based on uh, uh, your. You know, you, we, we we try and be as objective as possible on the show. That's why it's called Fighting Fire with Fire. In, indeed, indeed. Yeah, it sounds like a very uh, <laughs> sounds like a very moderate name for a show. Hey, yeah. we we combat the Stephen A. Skip Bayless type of fire with yeah. my red hair kind of fire, which is more objective. There we go. There we go. There you go. Um, yeah. So you, I, I listened to that pod where yourself and and Corey talked about sort of the various issues that people are going through as they decide to vote for. Uh, what they're going to vote on the ballot questions. And uh, so more or less, I am going to present the no side of voting on question one. And for all of you out there who are just so vehemently ready to vote yes on question one, the thing that you'll take solace in is that I'm voting in Connecticut, so I don't even get to vote on this issue. Ah. Um, So Connecticut is circling the drain right now. They... they, (laughs) They they need my vote. They need like Elizabeth Warren's coming back. Uh, Ayanna Presley is already in. There's not a whole lot going on. Uh, question two and three are, are layups, right? Super layups. Um, Hopefully, yeah. And yeah, there's nothing, especially on question three. There's nothing like voting against a law that's already been in place for however many years that you know doesn't affect you in right. any way, shape, or right. form. So you know. So um, on question so, one, why would someone vote no? So, I think the larger premise that people aren't really seeming to grasp about question one is a general understanding of how businesses function and the way that the way that in a capitalist structure of a firm, the way that higher costs are passed on to consumers. And so, Quick background on this is that I went to school for economics and the first thing that they teach you is you take a class on microeconomics and macroeconomics. And I'm going to try really hard to not be too boring here and get to the point. But the reason why you study both of those things at the same time is because it teaches you the relationship between ownership, which represents the management and um, people who own a particular firm, and labor, the people who work and perform the majority of the physical labor, as you want to call it, if you're looking at it in Marxist terms, for that company. So, and the reason why you study those things is because that labor ownership dynamic 
actually dominates a lot of the macroeconomic factors that go on when you study the entire economy as a whole. But the biggest thing that's bothered me a little bit about question one is the way the logical fallacy that people look at and the lens that they look through this issue on and when people talked about voting yes on question one a lot of the things that you hear are nurses are overworked or there are long patient waiting times or nurses are don't make enough money or or whatever it might be. And so a, a few things to briefly mention right off the top is that this ballot initiative is being brought forth by the Massachusetts Nurses Union who represent about 20% of nurses. So that's the total amount of nurses who they actually physically represent. And that necessarily doesn't paint an entire picture of, of nurses as a whole. So the other is that a lot of the anti- Question one ads that you see are supposedly, according to a friend's father who's a pediatrician, is being funded by insurance companies and HMOs, which doesn't surprise me, but I think necessarily that's not something that you can draw a line between that and, and the legitimacy of the argument in the first place. But the biggest issue is that I it looks to be something that is only going to increase the cost of healthcare delivery to patients. And particularly in Massachusetts when, and again, I'm not an expert on here, but a lot of this information is coming from uh, my roommate's friend who is, who's a doctor. And so when a company, a company basically has three costs. They have cost of goods sold, which are the things that they need to buy in order to either make or create their service or product. They have their labor costs to pay their employees, and then they have fixed overhead costs like rent, lights, mm. utilities, things like that. And there are others, but the majority of costs of a business fall into those three things. But what happens is when those costs increase for whatever reason, those costs are passed on to the consumer. So if I run, let's say I run a bakery and all of a sudden because of some tariff that I have to pay, I'm now paying 20% more for flour. That 20% that I'm now paying is not going to cut into my profit as the owner of that business because they're going to take that 20% increase that they see in the cost of that part of their product and, and they're going to pass it? that cost on. No, they're going to pass that cost on to their consumer in the, in the form of higher prices. And particularly when it comes to the state of Massachusetts, I'm far less concerned about the quality of healthcare because the quality of healthcare in Massachusetts ranks very highly, usually top five in the nation. We have some of the best hospitals, some of the best researchers, and particularly, shout out to Massachusetts, some of the best nurses. But the biggest issue that Massachusetts faces are costs, quality of care, and the delivery of care itself. And so I've heard a lot of arguments about how, well, HMOs and insurance companies are making so much money that this is something that they should be paying for. So nurses can make more money there can be more nurses but it doesn't address it doesn't specifically address any real problems that hospitals might be going through and the important thing to recognize is that the way that hospitals are being judged and the way that they're being graded is changing and it's changing from a cost delivery system to things that look more deeply into the way that care is being delivered to their patients and so 
what happens is when you raise the cost of hiring nurses, that cost is going to be passed on to the consumer and i.e. in this case, the patient. And so a lot of the arguments that I hear on, on the yes side are that we need more nurses because nurses work too many hours or a various, a various slate of reasons that doesn't really address the fact that the most likely thing, just from a business perspective, is that rather than your ER visit costing $12,000, it's going to cost, and I'm, I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass, but instead of $12,000, $16,000. And the other major issue is that passing a, basically passing a broad spectrum law that forces this ratio to exist for every single hospital in Massachusetts is going to cut tons of other necessary services that that hospital offers. Social workers are a big one. Therapists are a big one. Um, Outpatient care is a really big deal because one of the things that Massachusetts struggles with um, a ton is patients come in and the amount of repeat visits that you see in Massachusetts are very high comparatively to other states. And so a lot of the outpatient care, it, it doesn't really matter whether it's outpatient care or it's social workers or it's even doctors or surgeons or whoever it is. I think if, an, if a hospital is understaffed with nurses, they need to understand that from an organizational perspective. And I believe that most organizations are capable of doing that. And I don't feel like the smartest and most efficient way to deliver care is to force arbitrary cutbacks of other facets of hospital staff just because you need to allocate a certain amount of nurses that may not be necessary. A very good example of that are triage nurses. So when you go into the ER, there's a nurse whose only job it is is to determine how severe your injuries are. That triage nurse can handle 40, 50, 60 patients at a time because all they're doing is handing that patient off either to a doctor or to a nurse or if you broke your arm you get you're going to sit there in in the ER for maybe maybe an hour or two but there's no no reason that all of a sudden that specific nurse can only see four patients at a time so i think that looking towards using data and metrics that changes the way that hospitals are graded on delivering care is a much smarter way to improve overall healthcare delivery to patients rather than basically deciding that we need no more than four patients to every nurse in every scenario across the board. Um, so I went on a I, little I, bit of a little bit of a tangent no, there, but we did. But I, first of all, I think that's the longest I've remained silent while this record <laughs> button has been on since I started fighting fire. With I just fire. tried so really hard cool. to keep the words going without. You did. Like it was a good. Idiot. No, so. it was good. Uh, I suppose the one tiny rebuttal to you at the end there is that they are going to vary the actual number of patients a nurse can have by the different section of the hospital by the know? types of but yeah. Like at, like of. like uh, uh, maybe for triage nurses they will have a different number than for different kind of nurses. I and I remember in in the on ma.gov they have those numbers by section and varying degree. Um, I, sure, I think I, I think I think you laid out some good things. 
I think you did a good job. Are you proud? <laughs> of you? No, I am. I think I think that was good. That's a more well-rounded uh, uh, no explanation than I've heard. Not only from um, not only than Corey and I discussed last episode, but then I've heard from and, anybody. And something that I heard from, and that from I've talked you, to about this question from you and, and a few other people that again I don't want to. I don't want to justify too much as a as a really logical argument is that this pushes the needle in the right direction. I think that it pushes the needle in the wrong direction. I think your goal should be not to any organization wants to cut costs to deliver the most effective care that they possibly can. And I think a lot of people who are in favor of I'm not saying that a, a single payer Medicare for all system isn't the right way to go. But I think in the current situation that Massachusetts has right now, you're not going to see a major uptick in it. it, And it, it depends on where I actually don't want to make that statement. I don't want to see, I don't want to say that you won't see an uptick in care. I think that hospitals have the ability to manage the amount of staff and the amount of available resources that they have to pay these staff in the most efficient way that they possibly can. So I am certainly going to look into, because that's something that I was told by basically information that came to me from someone who works at MGH right now saying that it's really difficult to apply this, the same nurse ratio, nurse to patient ratio across the board is extremely difficult to implement. So I am going to check into that and look at the various ways that they're going to look at different types of nurses and what required ratio um Mm -hmm. how it would be different from from section to section but again it i find it i'm not sure how much it's it will push the needle in terms of the overall quality of care and i'm 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 curious to know and again i think california is a little bit of a little bit different than than Massachusetts, but again, I <laughs> a think, little bit, <laughs> uh, a, a little bit. But I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not totally sold on a on a one size. Yeah, California is way different than Massachusetts. Yeah. One of those states has the World Series champs in it. One of them does not. <laughs> I O yeah, full go. circle podcast. Indeed, bang. Indeed. Uh, thank you for that. And I think you gave uh, a nice an economics lesson and a rebuttal of question one all in one go. There that you go. Well, stuff. well, well. Yes, voters, I'm voting for Ned Lamont in Connecticut. I have, <laughs> I, have, I have no, I have no bearing on this issue whatsoever. So I'm just trying to no, but try to get through my. For segment the record, without. that's a very cool thing that you are. Uh, uh, informed and willing to give a spiel about a question that you're not even going to vote on like it's important to stay informed as someone who wasn't really someone who kept himself informed until after (laughs) the 2016 election (laughs) until trump became president yeah uh uh, i wish i had been shout out shout out to the city of pittsburgh love you guys close friend yeah from pittsburgh shout out guys absolutely it's really fucking shitty yeah it's incredibly shitty when is it not shitty yeah um uh that's definitely um, definitely all our, all our best wishes uh, uh, to, to Pittsburgh and to the two people in Kentucky and to, it's hard to keep track. It's, it's really hard to keep track. Really, really uh, and that's a somber note to end a podcast on. But vote in the midterms. No matter where you're voting, Connecticut, Massachusetts, yeah, please, wherever, please vote. Please vote. exercise it's your civic really, duty. It's really, really rugged. So five thirty eight came out the other day and was talking about how this. 
this midterm election was shaping up to have some of the highest voter turnout in the history of midterm elections, and that's because they're estimating that 50% of eligible voters are going to show up for the midterms this fall. That sucks. That really sucks. When the, hi- when, when the highest midterm when election turnout eligible, ever. When half of eligible voters are going to go to the polls and that's an all-time high. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, get out and vote, y'all. Um, as always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at SoundCloud.com slash Fighting Fire with Fire. We mentioned all the other ways to get in touch with the show. Facebook.com slash The AJ Rose Show, at The AJ Rose Show on Twitter and Instagram, AJ Rose Show at gmail.com. Vote for Lamont in Connecticut. Vote. Lamont in Connecticut. <laughs> and I bet Connect- half the people listening to this right now and the yeah. think that I'm a Republican for going on my like ridiculous economics vote no on one spiel, but I'm... I've never voted for a Republican in All my right. life, but uh, Lamont, Lamont for Connecticut, please, please, and uh, <laughs> everything's gonna go right for Massachusetts. Nothing's gonna change. And uh, Warren's back. And if you guys are going to the parade of the Red Sox parade on Wednesday, come and say hi. I'm uh, either going to be in the midst of the parade oh. or perhaps uh, working a shift for my good friend Chris Keck, who is the manager at Back Bay Social Club. I may help him out for the day. I'll be and... on my couch pushing thirty years old. During that parade, so. <laughs> For Alex Tremino, I'm AJ Rose. This has been Fighting Fire with Fire. Fuck Mitch McConnell. And we will oh, see the you most guys. important thing. Oh, shit. I can't believe I was thinking about this the whole time. And I was just like, the most important thing on the firing, Fighting Fire with Fire podcast. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Fuck him. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Fuck him. Fuck him. Oh, Mitch McConnell can roll over and die. Fuck that guy. Oh, my God. All right. Now we're done. Fuck now Mitch we're really McConnell. Done. Cheers, y'all. And we'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.